You're listening to Walk It Out with Trisha Goyer, where we discover what it looks like to follow God and be swept away on the journey of a lifetime. Author of over 70 books, mom of 10, yes, 10, homeschooler and speaker, Trisha Goyer will explore what radical obedience to God's word looks like. It's time to hear from God lovers who've dared to say yes. Listen in to Heart to Heart Chats and learn how others overcame doubts and fears. Discover how God used ordinary people to impact others one step at a time. If you're ready to get radical, get going, and make a difference in this world, you're at the right place. Here's your host, prolific writer, world traveler, people lover, and mega nap taker, Trisha Goyer. Well, on Walk It Out today, we're actually going to be talking about swimming it out. (laughs) We're going to be talking with an amazing young woman about her book, Swimming for Freedom. It's a true story of faith, hope, and victory. Let me tell you a little bit about the author. Tara Broadham Denai is an inspirational speaker, podcast host, and author. Her journey has led her across the world to deliver messages of empowerment and purpose. She writes, coaches, and teaches from her home in Montana. So welcome, Tara. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I am so excited to be here. So, okay, this is the connections we have. So John and I lived in Montana for 15 years. Really? Wait, Love Montana. We lived in Kalispell. Okay, so my husband grew up in Whitefish. Okay, so yes, we probably yeah. know mutual friends That's up crazy. there. Okay, yeah. So we've lived in Arkansas. So this is the other thing: we lived in Arkansas for the last ten years. Oh, so, uh, I know you went to school in Arkansas. So. <laughs> so we are covering all the bases here. Love Montana. Love Arkansas, which is so funny because I grew up in California. Then we lived in Montana, which every day I just woke up not believing I lived there because I loved mm-hmm. it. And then my husband got a job in Arkansas. I'm like, what? Like, I pictured the most ugliest place. I don't even know why. But it's like, amazing, right? It is so beautiful and amazing. And the people are awesome. Like, I love the South now. I just remember, mm-hmm. like, being down here and people like, sweetie and honey. I'm like, who are you? And <laughs> why are you? And, like, going to the grocery store, I'm like, people are, like, dressed up in, like, outfits and stuff, like, after living yeah. in Montana. I don't know. Totally different world. But that's totally a side note. But yeah. that is our connections, the Montana and Arkansas connections there. That's awesome. Yeah. And something I love about you just listening is that we have talked and don't have kids of our own yet, but just have a heart and would love to adopt someday. And so I'm just like trying to soak in like a sponge, some of your life story and just everything you're doing. So it sounds like we have a lot. Yeah. Yep. Adoption's awesome. Like these kids are awesome and it's hard. It's good and hard all at the same time, but so is parenting. So that's nothing new. But I have been reading your book, Swimming for Freedom. I First of all, I'm just amazed. Like, so much happened to you at such a un- young age. I just yeah. am blown away. But I would just love um, for you to just share about your life and just ups and downs. Um, just even from a young age, this this little girl. So I have a 12-year-old right now. She's almost 13. And just picturing, like, the things mm. that you've gone through her. So just start by sharing just a little bit about your life. Yeah, so I'll try to condense it and you can ask for for details where you want them. Uh, But I grew up swimming, fell into it. Neither of my parents did. I had a lifeguard tell my parents, hey, you have swimmers. And so got into swimming with my brother and 
found out really fast that I was very good and I really hated to lose. And so that propelled me to the top very quickly. And so by the time I was 10, I was the fastest swimmer my age, so an age group in the country in a few events. And and I held on to that until I was 12, almost 13, when I tore my shoulder at the end of a race, not wanting to lose. But it was just this perfect storm of, I have a crazy unhealthy pain tolerance with also just medical innovation at the same time, uh, developing as my injuries. And we just didn't find it for initially five years oh and goodness. watched the whole country pass me by, watched my dreams shatter. And then they found my shoulder torn off the bone and everything resolution just flew back into my heart. And, uh, you know, I, God brought me to the point where I realized that my sport was an idol. And so we had been through all that. And I was just like, he had told me to go back. And I was like, this is where you bring it back and create this awesome comeback story. And it from there was just a complete roller coaster. And so mm. just went from having this promise and, and Jeremiah and then down again to a second surgery and then being told to swim and then having everyone tell me you're crazy. Why would you keep swimming through this much pain? And I believed God had told me to swim. And they're like, you're never going to pick up your kids one day until through all of this at about seven years of dealing with this injury and chronic pain, it got to where I, I lost all quality of life. Yeah. And I, I was 19 years old and I couldn't brush my hair. I couldn't brush my teeth. I had pain 24 seven from my shoulder to my hand. And on top of this, regardless of my sport, I mean, I couldn't do things any 19 year old could do. And to the point where I turned off a light switch and killed over. And I mean, I'm, I'm 19 years old and I can't turn off a light switch. Like what kind of life is this? And on top of it, I had this huge struggle with God because I said, you told me to swim. And like, this is your fault essentially, or either I really don't know your voice or you don't exist, or I don't know what this is anymore. And it, it sounds crazy to put your faith on something like that, but we had, God and I had just been through so much together that it's like, you can't tell me all of this stuff to have it in this way. And, um, just had suicidal thoughts and, and was begging to die truly. And I, I can't, it's hard to explain. I mean, I, I wrote a book, so I guess I tried, but, <laughs> um, just the amount of pain and what it's like. And there, there's a difference between being injured and coming back and you had a surgery and you fix it and you're coming back. And that is hard. And I am not taking away from that, but to have gone through seven years and two surgeries and every doctor and every test you can imagine, and you're in so much pain, you don't have quality of life. And they say, there's nothing else we can do for you. And, and Jesus was all I had. I mean, he was going to heal me miraculously, or I was going to die, <laughs> um, you know, whether by my own hand or through, there were different things. My immune system was shutting down and I didn't know it. And, um, so my parents didn't give up power of the parents, right. When everyone else did and, and took me to a surgeon in Denver where they ended up in this third surgery, uh, finding my bicep once they cut it off was rotting underneath. Oh my goodness. And so, yeah, cut out that part. I'm missing about an inch of my bicep and rebuilt about 75% of my shoulder. And of course, after that, one of the biggest surgeries you can have on an arm, I was like, okay, God, like let's swim. And, from there, just still roller coaster, uh, ended up leaving Arkansas to go to Texas A&M where I swam and did grad school was not the miracle I expected. God had to redo just my perception of a miracle and what that is. And I ended up finishing my career, still missing Olympic trials by a couple tenths of a second. And after that, I was like, well, this is not a good story. Who wants to go on this roller coaster <laughs> and have it in that way? 
And he's like, you know, so many more people can learn from failure. And I mean, you want to talk about people in this time of life and what's going on in the world of our expectations not being met or things not looking like what we thought they would be. And it's like success reveals who people are at the surface, but failure reveals who you are at the core. And and that's when you stand on God and lean on God. And so even amidst that, I mean, this book is just God doing his thing. and, And that's another miraculous story in itself. So yeah, that's a little bit of the story. Yeah, and the, the amazing thing is that all this happened at such a young age. Like, what you described yeah. is why some people don't experience, like, in 70 years. And then, yeah. if, you know, your first injury at 12 years old. And, again, I'm, I'm thinking of, like, I have little kids running around here and thinking, like, I can't imagine my kids going through that. And so um, the ups and downs are hard in life in general. But when you're still growing and maturing yeah. and kind of discovering yourself, um, and first of all, to have these amazing gifts of swimming and then to have these amazing, you know, the the, the pain and the challenges. Um, how did you handle that at such a young age as a mom? I'm like, I I can't even understand that. Yeah. So a lot of things, I mean, God is the short answer, Mm -hmm. but I had a lot going on, you know, there were struggles in my family as well. And so my life kind of fell apart on every level and, and I control is very central for me. And so I tried to grab onto anything I could. So for a while I wasn't super tempted with, you know, a love story or drugs or things like that, but I left just went into grades and controlling Mm. through school and making perfect grades because that was the one thing I had left. Um, So I did that. I had to be broken of my idols. But then honestly, my faith became really real to me Um, amidst that. left out the fact that I uh, almost died from a hole in my lung. Mm -hmm. And, And that was one instance where I just, it was the catalyst to my faith, but then became real to me about my sophomore year in high school. And that's when I started digging in and got really involved in a youth group and, and then even more so in college. And so at that point, when I was just hearing from the Lord every day, it was his grace being sufficient every day, quite literally. And that's what got me through. But I, it ha- it is his grace. I mean, for me to even know who he was at so young an age, and I can't imagine how different my story would have been without God. And so I can say, yes, you have to partner with God and yes, you make choices and there's free will. But honestly, looking back to, there's just such a hand of grace in my life. Yeah. And for, you know, you to have that faith at a young age where, you know, a lot of people don't even really start asking those questions or thinking about God until into much older. Um, But I think when we get to the point where we need him, um, mm-hmm. then we look for him in may- ways we maybe never would have. Do you think yeah. that's been true? Like of your faith journey coming? I mean, the pain that you talk about, like with the shoulder injury and then the hole in your lung, when I was reading about that, I'm like, what in the world? It was, you know, yeah. doctors like, we usually don't see this in people your age. And it's like, um, you, you need something to cling to. So what, you know, do you think it, your faith did change because of that? Oh, absolutely. And like what you're describing, I mean, honestly, it was like an athlete Job narrative, just these freak things over and over that just don't happen. (laughs) And I think suffering is what draws us close to God. And it was actually crazy because when I finally got my miracle in that third surgery and and God used doctors, I freaked out. I I remember waking up one morning and I had my right, and this is after the body brace and, and all of that, but I woke up with my right arm above my head, which would have been agony so many times. And just having this meltdown of 
hey, I like God is amazing and I'm going to live a normal life and and never getting over this miracle, right? Um, I will share that story because it's cool. But just, you know, I was sitting there and did laundry and was like, oh my gosh, I'm not in pain because I jogged around the block. And I was kind of laughing and being a little sarcastic. And this goes back to the relationship with God that I had formed and, and he can handle emotions that he made. And, but I was just like, God, are you serious? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like fall on my knees sobbing every time I exercise. Like when I'm back to swimming, like eight miles a day, you just want me to fall on my knees in the locker room and start sobbing. And I'll never forget what the Holy Spirit whispered in that moment because he just said, am I not worthy of that? Mm. And I was like, yes, absolutely. You are, you are worthy of, of everything, of everything I have to give. And so it's this crazy thing walking in the wake of a miracle, but I asked God for something else, which sounds crazy. Like, why would you go from begging to die to this freedom? But I didn't know how to function, not in the fight of my life. I really did it. And I think a lot of times we hate our trials, but our trials bring us closer to God than our complacency ever would. And so I'm I'm grateful for it. I really am. And I I think, you know, people are like, well, Christians use God as a crutch. And I'm like, absolutely I do. Like I can't get through life without him. And I don't know how other people do. And I think people who have the closest relationships with God are honestly people who need him the most. And for someone who's independent <laughs> as I am, that's hard. It's pride killing and crushing, but I, that's kind of what Jesus asked us to do, right? Of crucifying our flesh. Yeah. I mean, that's not a pretty picture. Yes, and exactly. And, you know, you talked about, I think it was one, because I, I, you know, I scoped out like some of the articles you wrote, all kinds of things. Yeah. And one of them was about, we are not defined by our good days. Um, yes, you know, and it's yeah. in those hard days when we need to turn to God. And when I was looking at that article, there were so many comments because that's where people resonate. Like yeah. we all have those peak moments. I mean, I have never like been in Olympic swimming trials, but you know, there's, there's peak moments in mm-hmm. our life that we all have, but really it is in those, those hard days in pain and suffering and whether it's mm-hmm. mental or physical, like that's where we need God. And that's where we discover ourselves and how much we need him but it's a beautiful thing like it's a hard thing but it's a beautiful thing to have that type of relationship when we can depend on him and we can lean on him and we can discover that he is there even through the rough rough places yeah absolutely yeah I mean he's a God acquainted with sorrows right and I think the more we hurt it's honestly the more we can relate to our savior yeah and so you know we talked about like, so you were very young, I mean, 12 years old when you had your first injury and then years, years and years of lots of pain and loss, lots of different physical challenges. And then you do talk about that miracle. Um, and had you got to the point where you even wondered if that would even happen? Oh yeah. And I mean, I was, like I said, I mean, I was begging to die. And so the, 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 one of my favorite parts of the story, but God gave me uh, what I call a life promise. And I read through the Bible in a year, my senior year of high school through my freshman year of college. And what's funny is not a lot of people are like, oh, the book of Jeremiah, but it's actually one of my favorite books. I am dreaming of writing a Bible study of it someday. It's like the the weeping prophet, right? But there's yeah. a couple of chapters in there that are incredible of promise and redemption and um, that's where I felt like the Holy Spirit said, this is my promise for your life. 
And it's Jeremiah 33, 6 through 9, he said, I will bring health and healing to you. I will rebuild you as you were before, and you will enjoy abundant peace and security. I will forgive all your sins against me, and then you'll bring me renown, glory, praise, and honor before all the nations on earth that hear of what I do for you, and they will tremble and fear and be in awe of the abundant peace and prosperity I provide for you. And and that's what I was living in, and it's turned into this ministry now because I think the church has in so many ways abused um, healing and what that looks Mm -hmm. like. But I believe that God heals people in the way that brings him the most glory and in the way that brings us closest to him. But I really felt, and that promise is about Israel, but I, I felt like the Holy Spirit said it was about my life as well. And he said, I will bring health and healing to you. And I felt like that was in this lifetime, not necessarily in that ultimate healing in heaven. And so that's where I, I felt betrayed by God. And I, I mean, I yelled at him. I mean, this is a scene in the book because it was so impactful. But I mean, I chunked my Bible across the room and, and said, you're not a good father. Like what kind of father could watch his daughter go through this and not intervene when I've, I've actually seen miraculous healing. I believe in miraculous yeah. healing and you're not doing that for me. And yet when you look back at my story and God told me, to keep swimming. Well, if I hadn't have kept swimming, I don't know if they would have gone in for a third surgery. Right. And if they had, if God had healed me miraculously, everyone would have said, most likely, see, we knew it was in your head. This is what we've mm. been saying all along. Like it just got better. Whereas when he used doctors to find out that my biceps was degenerating, then he can use it to turn it into a book and glorify his name more. So absolutely, I question it. But now I think clarity... I was interviewing someone the other day and he said, clarity is the reward for our obedience. It's not the prerequisite. Mm, and I'm like, so good, man. And so, yeah, looking back, it makes sense. But absolutely, I questioned it in the moment and was bitter and angry and all the things. Yeah. And I think now, I mean, I love what you're doing. And I want you to talk about that, too, because you are giving voice to people who are suffering and who are mm-hmm. trying to find freedom. Um, so I would love to share about that because, you know, sometimes we think like, why? am I going through this? This is like, no one should have to go through this. But now you are like, your life isn't, I mean, your life is a testimony, but you're also sharing other people's lives and um, giving them a voice too. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So a lot of this has happened in the past year, almost the past six months of I first, I moved from Texas to Montana because I met my husband and he's from here. And I quit teaching, which was overtime job. And so I had more space and I was coaching. And what's funny is when I ended my career and I said, this is a terrible story. You know, my whole vision of every nation will tremble in fear was the Olympics. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know, if if I was one of the best in the country before this injury, surely you can take me back to that level. And that did not happen. And I was like, and, and in my mind, I thought, well, you have to have the Olympic level and background and accomplishments to have a platform. And he's like, no, that's not right. Well, you know, then it would have ministered to athletes for sure. And maybe some other people and and there's nothing wrong with that. And God uses all kinds of people like that. But I never saw this entire ministry that is now developing and it's a little scary, but I now get, I have a podcast and then we're making retreats for people and it's for people who live in chronic pain or have physical disability. And what I realized is that there, in my opinion, seems to be a very big hole in the church, capital C church as a whole, of ministering to people in pain. And I think there are a lot of reasons for that. I think a lot of people in chronic pain don't have enough energy to advocate for themselves, much less create a ministry for it. Um, and 
you know, especially if you haven't lived in chronic pain, it's, it's hard to relate and you don't know what to say. And it's a little weird. And it's almost one of those taboo subjects in the church that we don't really talk about because it's like, well, I don't know if Jesus isn't healing you, maybe you don't have enough faith, but I, and it's, we just do some really hurtful things to each other. And so I just actually working on my second and third books of sharing stories of different ways God heals people. So whether that is miraculous or medicinally or taking people home or people who he uses to glorify himself, who are still in the fight and and struggling with it. And I really believe in all of those ways. And then I was writing this book and I was like, wait, I have like 15 stories in this and there are so many more stories. And so then I ended up making a podcast where I get to share a lot more people's stories. And so it's, we say it's any physical limitation, struggle, disability, and how they reconcile that with God. And, you know, that's most people who are, are not Christians, a lot of them, their big things are like, well, how could a good God have hell? And how could a good God be okay with suffering? And so it's like tackling the things that are really controversial in the church and really controversial in the world. But it's just amazing to see people's perspectives and bring light to that. And so our hope is to bring freedom to people who have been really marginalized by their pain. You know, the most unreached people group I learned in a mission uh, class is families with special needs children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it makes sense, right? They make noise in church and it's hard and distracting. And I think people who live in pain and disability is an unreached people group. And so I'm excited for what's ahead. It's a little overwhelming. I'm I'm quitting my job right now to go in full-time ministry and, and faith. And but it's it's a wild ride. And anyone who says Christianity is boring, I'm like, you do not know my God, because he will ask you to do <laughs> some crazy things. So that's that's where we are now, just getting it off the ground and and trying to help people. And I, I love that the parts that we think that are the parts that are gonna pull us down are the are the parts of your story that are the launching point for yeah. so much that God has planned. And I, I so agree, you know, adopting kids, um, which we didn't set out to adopt special needs kids, but every single one of them has some type of yeah. special needs from as simple as dyslexia to, um, you know, depression and anxiety um, mm-hmm. to, to larger things. One of our daughters has an autoimmune disease mm. and uh, would, you know, for a while we'd have to go get um, infusions every month at the children's hospital. And I remember yeah. being in there and, First of all, we'd lived in Little Rock for years and years, never even having to go through the doors of the children's hospital. Now we're there every month. Um, mm-hmm. But sitting in you know, the infusion room where there's other kids that have cancer and there's other kids, you know, just so much going on. And, and my daughter doesn't have cancer, but she still needed a different kind of infusion. But yeah. I'm like, this is a section of the world that is anyone noticing? Like I drove by the highway, right yeah. by the children's hospital so many times, not thinking of all those kids in there and mm-hmm. all the families and all the the hard stuff they're going through. So really until you're living it, it is so easy to, to ignore or, yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Someone's child is, you know, whatever. And we don't know how to help, or maybe we send a meal once, but then, you know, they're having to deal with it every yeah. day. And it's just really opened my eyes. I raised three kids to adulthood. Like maybe they had, you know, we had stitches once a broken arm once, <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. in comparison to there's, lots of families with lots of needs that we don't even truly understand. Um, And I love that you are using your voice to share stories and to share hope. And, you know, it's not like um, we can only hope in Christ when we are healed and everything's better, but in the process um, we can, we can 
have freedom in him. And so it's so amazing how that has been a launching point now from even this very hard stuff that you had to go through. Yeah. And it's funny, right? Because I never saw this coming in a million years. And yet God's sitting there laughing like, haha, you thought you were the goal was to get to the Olympics. Like you had no idea what I had up my sleeve. And it's like, looking at it now, it's like, duh. Like you can see God writing that yeah. story all along. But I just didn't, didn't think that while it was happening. And I think in our, in our, you know, just our earthly vision, I mean, we do look at the Olympics or, you know, professional sports or all these, you know, the people with money or that, like those are the success stories. Yeah. And that's, I mean, God tells about, talks about that. It's not, that's not his success story when he sees right. the, the women given two mites or, you know, just mm-hmm. the littlest of what she has, like that is someone that he is noticing. And I, I just love that. And I think, um, you know, the Olympics and all these big things. I mean, look at how easily everything is shut down because of the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all yeah. these idols, like you talked about the idols, all these idols that the world has set up about let's travel overseas and let's, mm-hmm. you know, have the Olympics and all these sports and, you know, how easily those things don't even matter, but there's still people that need hope, that need encouragement, yeah. that are hurting. And so, it really shows us that this is the stuff that God wants us to do is to love those who need love right where they are. And it's not about the podium, but it's about his presence in our everyday lives. Yeah. I mean, the kingdom of God is totally backwards, right? The least will be the greatest. The first will be the last. And it's so hard for me because I'm someone who dreams so big and I do the thing where I let God give me a word to kind of guide the year. And and my word this year is small and it's so hard, but it's, it's so of the kingdom, right? Mm -hmm. That it is backwards and his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And I was just talking to my husband the other day and I ended up uh, just giving a word to one of my friends that was really encouraging to her and a really cool God story. And I told him it was just, I felt like I had nothing in me. And I was like, I can't believe that God could speak through me like that when I which is very abnormal for me, like hadn't had a time with the Lord the past couple of days was running on fumes. And he was just like, yeah, but that's like, that's because it was his strength and it doesn't have anything to do with you. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is so good. And when you mentioned your word being small, um, you know, every time before I do a podcast, I always do in my outro, like what the, what the verse is for this podcast. And I already, the one I came up for your podcast is Second uh, Corinthians four seventeen. For our present troubles are small and won't last hmm. very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Wow! And so yeah, it's gonna make me cry. <laughs> I'll send it to you. So yeah. that's well, yeah, Second Corinthians uh, four seventeen. But you know, we look at um, what's like we were just saying, what's big in God's eyes and what's small in God's eyes, and our present troubles are small, like. God has yet this eternal glory that when we lean in him and when we share his hope, that is big and it is everlasting compared to these, these troubles, even though they are, you know, all consuming at times, they are small in light of glory and what God wants to do. So that's cool. Yeah. And it's like, lead me to a rock that is higher than I. And I think that's, you know, when he puts your feet on the rock and gives you hinds feet to climb on the mountains, it's like, because if you've ever climbed a mountain, right, talking about Montana, you get up there and you look down and the things that seem so, so big are so small. I mean, we went 4th of July and we uh, climbed a mountain and watched the fireworks and we were on top of the fireworks and it was the craziest experience. Right. And that's like our, 
problems when we get a different perspective. Like that's what God does. Like the problem doesn't get any bigger, but what you focus on or any smaller, but what you focus on grows. Right. And if you're focusing on God's power, things just shrink in the background and I'm not making light, you know, my ministry now I'm talking to people who deal with horrendous things all the time, every day, but he is good amidst that. He, it doesn't change who he is. I'm like preaching to myself right now. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. It reminds me of, uh, so when we lived in Kalispell by whitefish, um, going up the gondola to the top of whitefish mountain Mm -hmm. and you know we lived in the valley for probably a couple years before we ever went like to the top and we're able to see like the mountain range from the sky like from that that high level and Mm -hmm. I remember this mountain range living in the valley of Kalispell like you just see like the flat front of it because it just rises up straight from the valley yeah and when we got up to the top of whitefish mountain it was like layer after layer after layer of mountain ranges Mm -hmm. and like the perspective that we had was just like oh there's just one set of ranges and there's this this mountain right there it's like no you get up there and there's so much more and I think um in our lives like we think like okay this is it this is what God's doing and he's like wait I have so much more like my vision is beyond of what what you ever think and I have so much planned for you and um so it is good like God I love that God takes us higher and can give us a vision that we never had planned and I yeah. love that he's doing that um through your story and yeah you I mean you could have an amazing story like without all the injury like just this overcoming and all the mm-hmm. the strength but it's a different story and it's a God glorifying story now because you're able to to talk about how you're you know helping people face and find freedom um even in the midst of their pain yeah, and it's funny because as you're talking about those mountain ranges, it's just another, I think, example of just that God takes us up, right? And we have this perspective and it seems small. And oftentimes, like what happens after the summit of a mountain? Like you go back down the other side into a valley, right? Mm-hmm. And I think my story, people who read it, they're just like, it's just such a roller coaster, like feeling this with you. I mean, my parents were like, it was bad enough living it. Like they almost couldn't read it again. And I think that's life though. I'm like, if I had seen all of those peaks and valleys, I never would have, I never would have walked out the door. I probably never would have gotten up in the morning. And it's scary to think, cause I'm like, yeah, there's probably all kinds of those still waiting for me. But it's like, that's why we have daily manna, right? That's why mm-hmm. he only gives us enough for the day because he's holding our hand. He'll get us through that door. I mean, if God has opened a door, no power of hell, no person on this earth can close that door. But the thing is, it's like, you got to hold his hand. He goes before you. He's the one with the flashing sword coming out of his mouth and going to come back on a horse and, and defeat the kingdom of darkness. And so we have to have him leading. But yeah, if you're just, I just want to say, if you're in that that valley like you'll get to the summit again, but there's probably another one on the other side until he takes us home. And that's what life is. But he's he's every bit as faithful in the valley as he is on the summit. And we we got to have that sufficient grace each day. That's why it's it's only good each day. Yeah, that's so good. And it reminds me of, um, well, you remind me a lot of my daughter who, and she's not a, a athlete at all. In fact, she's the opposite of an athlete, but she has a very determined personality. And as you're talking, I'm like, you know, all this de- determination that went into your sport, um, I could just see like God is going to just use this to impact his kingdom in other ways. So it's really cool. And, you know, she, my daughter, um, since she was little said she wanted to be a missionary Mm -hmm. and when she was 20 she like graduated her bachelor's and moved to Europe and became a missionary like she just got open the doors God provided the money 
And, you know, we think so many times like our determination or our strengths are for one thing. Yeah. And God's like, nah, that's not really what it's about. <laughs> like, There's so yeah. much more. So even as you're talking and even as I'm reading your book, which I'm about halfway through, um, I was just thinking like, I can just see like all the determination and strength that you had put into your sport. Like God is just going to use it in so many other ways that you never even imagined. So that's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I have to ask, I hate doing this cause I know it's a big deal, but do you, do you know the Enneagram? Uh, mine? Or yeah, just the system in general. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. So I, whatever I am an eight hard eight, um, which is not super surprising, but when you're talking about this, I see Enneagram as your flesh. Right. And so right. when you talk about God using that, honestly, I think you look a whole lot less like your number. Um, the more you grow in Christ. And I think it's being a little abused right now in, in general society, but that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, so I have this anger, right. And that's and, mm-hmm. and tendency towards vengeance and forgiveness is like a big part of the book and, and different things. But like God has had to strip me of that to where it's like, okay, well, when is anger a good thing? Cause like there mm-hmm. is righteous anger, mm-hmm. but it's like, the only really good place that is good is against the enemy and against the kingdom of darkness. And so it's like, okay, use your justice center for that. Use this anger for that. But, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of our biggest strengths are our biggest weaknesses and vice versa. So yeah. I just, anyone listening, I mean, yeah, God's developing things that he's going to use in a totally different way. But if we surrender it to him, like, how can this advance the kingdom? How can this push back the kingdom of darkness? Yes. But I do, I do want to know, do, do you, I don't know if you've shared this on other episodes, but are you willing to share your number? Yeah. Three, totally okay. three. Okay. <laughs> Which is like, um, the person that gets everything done that has like yeah. you yeah. know high achiever, which, um, you know, I always have just a list right by my desk and let me do this. Let me do this. Let me yeah, do this. Yeah. Which for me as a mom who's adopted all these kids, it's like, do the thing, which is put down your computer and go watch a movie like that is yeah, my, yeah. you know let's spend time with the kids let's do these things with them but um you yeah. know and I think uh what can be a strength like for me like getting stuff done also is the hindrance mm-hmm. of no we have a family that we have to care for we have to love the people around us so yeah, yeah. it's so true the the same strengths are often the, you know, the opposite of our weak or our weaknesses also so it's really de- yeah. leaning into God and having him show us those things and it really is coming down to his word and I love how you've been talking about you know when I when I heard from God and when I was reading the Bible and I think that is really where things even begin to change in my life where you know we have all these ideas but then what does God say and what is he asking us to do Mm -hmm. and what does he point us to do and it does come to that daily sitting down and you know listening to him and being in his word that changes everything. Yeah, I think we're losing that ability as a culture, right? We're just like, oh, we can do it on our own. And mm-hmm, I'm not mm-hmm. bashing. Sometimes I think we need to get a, a different quiet time, you know, go on a walk or, or do something like that. But there is nothing that can replace the word of God, period. And if you're not in the word of God, like, you have no weapons. Like when the enemy yeah. attacks you, which he will, like he has weapons literally formed against you and has studied you and not not to scare you. Like we fight from victory, not for it. Like we're on the winning side. But like, there's the armor of God for a reason. And if you don't know the word, like if you don't know truth, like there's nothing to stand on. And so I just, I love encouraging people of like figure out a way, whether it's accountability partner or whatever, but you know, even we'll, we can use our excuses where we just go towards the easiest path, right? Oh, I can read this Christian book and, and that's good. It's like, and, and I love Bible studies. I think there's a thing that you can get from 
study that you can't get on your own, like context, but there's also nothing that can replace that direct revelation from the Lord. And it's like, well, how do you hear God's voice? How do you um, just get to know him better? And it's like, well, if you're not spending time with him, right? Like what would your relationship look like with your husband if you spent a minute a day or you read about his life in a book from someone else? Yeah. Like they experienced of him. So yeah, I'm really passionate about that. And yeah, like let's rise up. Let's be the army and kingdom of Christ that we're meant to be. But we got to, we got to know who's our King and who we're fighting for and what he says. Yeah. I love that so much. Okay. So we'll be wrapping this up in a minute. I could probably talk to you all day, but so yeah. one other question is just, um, cause I know so many people feel like they have a story and, um, but they don't know how to share it. So what encouragement would you get? I know like you, wrote the book, but also you share it in so many other ways. What encouragement would you have for someone that maybe thinks like, okay, I have gone through hard things. God has taught me lessons. I feel like I need to share. What encouragement would you have for them? Yeah. And going back to my word of the year, which is small, but start with what you have and and mm-hmm. share it. Right. And so it's like, oh, I want to write a book, but you're not willing to share with your neighbor or the person at your church. Right. And so an example, like, I'm like, oh, I want to minister to people in chronic pain. Well, it's like, well, what am I doing for the woman I know who's in horrible chronic pain in my church? And and similarly with your story, it's like, are you sharing it with the one? Like, is the one mm-hmm. that important? Because I think what if you're faithful with small things, God will give you bigger things. And so I think, and I'm literally speaking to myself right now, but don't despise small beginnings, right? And there are a lot of people, including me, we despise that small beginning, but it's like, yeah. be faithful with what you have. Share it with the one. Okay. Now there's an opportunity at a small group, share it with them. Okay. Now there's an opportunity at church, share it with them. And the other thing too, is like, you just gotta, you gotta pull up your britches and, and do the thing. And it's <laughs> like a super eight way to say, you know, like suck it up. But I think Mark Batterson is one of my favorites. And oh, me too. Yes. Okay. Yes. And Circle Maker changed my life. And oh, me too. I love that book. <laughs> good. Yes. So one of my favorite quotes is work like it depends on you and pray like it depends on God. And so when I wrote a book, I didn't wait for this. Oh, someone's just going to discover me. I was like, God told me to write a book. I'm going to do this out of obedience. But then, you know, I taught myself how to write a book proposal and these resources. Well, I also signed up for a national writing conference in faith. And then God met me there and I ended up getting a contract on the spot, which is not common. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen to you, but I just say that to say, like, you have to work like it depends on you. And then God will do the things that only he can do. Um, So don't be afraid to like, go to a writing conference. If you want to write a book, don't be afraid to start a podcast. And it's okay if only your family listens, like we're just, we want things to be perfect before we even start. And then you don't do anything. So just start. Oh, I think absolutely. And, um, so many things you said that I tell people all the time, first of all, love and serve the people that God has given you now and your audience will grow. Um, whether it's just, like you said, your neighbor, your Bible study, like, serve those people well and if your audience is supposed to be bigger it will grow like I think so many times we worry about building that and then also I I I tell people too every day I'm learning how to do something different like Mm -hmm. even though I've written 80 books and Mm -hmm. I've had a blog and a podcast like I just taught myself how to do a funnel um because I yeah and so because you know all these people are suddenly homeschooling I've been homeschooling 26 years I'm like I need to figure out how to put a course together put a funnel for people who don't know basically it's just a way to get people to find out about your like your I have a video course so find out about the video mm-hmm. course and get over there so that's what 
a funnel is to those people that are in the writing world. But yeah. I literally sat there and watched YouTube videos and like asked the help desk how to do things. And, you know, I every single day will learn something new, try something new, read a blog. And I think so many times we think, oh, I don't know how to do all of it. So I'm not even going to try and, you know, you know, learn, try work. Um, and it yeah. does make a difference we do have to work hard work hard whether you are trying to get to the olympics work hard whether you're trying to start a blog yeah. um, whatever it is you know if god calls you to do it um he will provide the path but you also have to sit i always say button chair is what i tell all my people that want to write yes. put, your butt, put your butt in the chair you and stephen king's memoir yeah yep yeah, yeah i love that you got to get yeah. your button chair hours yeah it's so true you have to sit down and um, yes, I think that's the number one question when people It's like, how do you write all these books? Well, I have to sit in this chair and I have to like put yeah. my fingers on the keyboard and get going. And, and it's so, pretty solitary, right? Have you found yeah. that? I don't, you're um, quite a, a bit ahead of me in, in that. We, we have lots of kids at home still. So we have, still have six kids at home. So uh, solitary is a good thing when I can get it. But I mean, I've written as my kids are watching a Disney movie and sitting in the living room. In the mental space though, oh, right? Yeah, like people absolutely. interacting years oh, yeah. sometimes after you what you write. Oh, and that that's the crazy part too, you know, um, getting letters from a book I wrote a while ago. I mean, just, it, yeah. there is a lot of, uh, yeah, it's, it's a neat way to, to realize like our words are going out there and people are reading them long mm -hmm. after we write them, but it does like we have to sit down and, and yeah, we do have to, and be in our mind and be in our thoughts and be in God's presence and then get those words on the paper. I mean, it is a lot of mental stuff, even though there's a lot of going around in your house, like mine is all the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I just committed and this, this, I wrote my book, my first year of teaching, which I don't know if there are any teachers out there listening to this, but I mean, teaching is like the most overworked, underpaid, most oh, impactful yeah. profession, right? Like kind of like homeschooling. And so I just made the commitment. I just said, I will write a chapter a week, period, in my first year of teaching. And it's just like, you just, I don't know, like, yes, there is grace. And, and amidst this whole other conversation, but like, yes, you need to be having rest, like mm -hmm. something God is teaching me so profoundly, but like, you also just got to do it. Like we can't, yeah. this whole culture of like self-care, which a lot of us need to be better, right. And have that self-care. But at the same time, like, God called us to lay down our lives. Like this yeah. is not like at some point, if that's what you're called to do, like do the thing. Yeah. Then that's what my husband always says. You know, it's always like, Oh, we'll do this after we retire, do that. And God just woke my husband up. Like, why do you have to wait? Like, what? Yeah. You know, he's like, cause my husband would always say like, let's go after retire, work in an orphanage and uh, all these plans. And he felt God saying like, why do you have to wait? And so, you know, then we adopted mm -hmm. seven kids, which is, like, <laughs> you know, definitely hands-on um, experience, but yeah, there's stuff that we have to do and we don't have to wait. We don't have to dream in the future. And um, we could take little steps now and get there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so good. Okay. So the book is Swimming for Freedom, a true story of faith, hope, and victory. And it is, um, you did a very good job. I will say that. And it is so like once you start reading, I started reading and pretty soon I looked down and I'm on page 100 because mm -hmm. your story, there's so much, awesome. um, yeah, there's so much going on that, and I, again, I'm, I'm picturing my little kid in my house like going, wow, this is, this is a lot. But it, so anyway, it's a good read. Um, so, you know, it'd be great to, if, you, if someone needs encouragement, this would be a great book to put in their hands. But where can people um, connect with you if they want to find more about the book and your podcast and all the things? 
Yeah. So a couple things, uh, Instagram, I am trying to get better at, uh, that's a whole other process, right. Of letting God build yep. that platform. <laughs> Cause I cannot make it grow. Um, but you can find me at, at Tara Bradham, just my name. And then the books, it would be super awesome. Amazon does help, but um, cancel book tour. It would really help me if you bought a book. I'll autograph it from my website. So that's tarabradham.com. Uh, for the podcast, it's called Buying for Victory. So V-Y-I-N-G. And it's got a symbol. Half of it is a crown of thorns and half of it is the laurel leaf of victory. Mm. And... Uh, then thehealretreat.com is where we're doing retreats for people. If you know of someone who's dealing with some some physical battles with their faith that we're trying to create community and retreats. Awesome. And so we will have all the links to all these in the show notes just at walkitoutpodcast.com. Um, and then er, your website has links to everything too. And and I got a signed copy, which when I open it up, I'm like, oh, she signed a copy to me. Yeah. This is so awesome. I usually don't get I, signed I appreciate copy. that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, we'll have everything in the show notes where people can connect, but thank you so much for being here today. Just thank you for, um, just being an advocate and a voice for those who need it in their lives. And I just appreciate that so much. Thank you, Trisha. Thank you for what you're doing. God bless you and your ministry and keep fighting the good fight. Thank you so much. What a joy talking to Tara. Talk about ups and downs from such a young age to being the fastest swimmer in the United States for her age group to facing pain that she couldn't overcome and that she had to deal with every day. I can't imagine my young kids going through that, both the highs and the lows, but I love how as she's talking about swimming for freedom, she found true freedom in her relationship with God and really looking at the things that were her goals and seeing that they were idols and the things that were her hardships and seeing them as the strengths that she now can reach out and help other people. And I'm excited to see this whole new ministry that God is opening up to her. Um, and I love also how it was even the hard stuff that really helped her faith in God grow. And those scriptures that she shared from Jeremiah 33 were just an amazing testimony of in our darkest places, God can be there for us. And I think so many times we want to protect our kids from hard things. And I'm sure if we were to talk to Tara's parents, they would have said, as they saw their daughter suffered, any of those times they wish they could have taken that pain away. But sometimes it is the pain that really gives us the story and the testimony that can reach out and help other people. Tara can now connect with other people, see other people, experience um, these relationships with other people that she never would have been able to experience if she hadn't gone through the pain and the hardship in her life. Now, the walk it out verse is 2 Corinthians 4.17. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. And I know for those who do have chronic pain and chronic illness, it does not seem small. And I don't want to minimize that at all. But I am so thankful that we can look to God and we can look to his eternity and what he has planned for us and realize that what we are facing now can produce and glorify him for eternity. And it will outweigh the hardships. 
So I just want to pray for you today. First of all, Lord, I just pray for Tara. I pray for um, her and this new ministry that she's launching that is going to just reach out and help those who are facing chronic pain and hardship, Lord. I pray that you will help amplify her voice so that she may be a voice for others. I pray that you will use her determination to reach out and to step out and to um, grow a ministry that will glorify you in so many areas, ways that she had never expected, Lord. Um, And I pray for the listeners today who may be there. They may be in chronic pain. They may be facing hardship. They may um, be questioning why they have to go through these things, Lord. And I know that you have come to give us abundant life, but also this earth is filled with pain and it's filled with hardship and we truly will not find complete healing and um, freedom from these broken bodies until we are with you in eternity. I just pray that you will be a comfort and a peace to someone today who may not feel seen or understood that you will just, your presence will wrap around that person and offer a breath of hope in places where they have felt hopeless. I pray for healing in so many areas, Lord, we know you can heal. You can heal physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and we just pray for healing in all of our lives, Lord. May we always look to you and may you always receive the glory. Well, again, um, you could always find more information about Tara under her name, which is Tara, T-E-R-A Bradham. B-R-A-D-H-A-M. And we also have the links to everything in the show notes, which is just walkitoutpodcast.com. And um, if you know someone that you think that would be encouraged for this podcast, go ahead and share it. Share the link to the podcast. Let them know that they can look up Trisha Goyer um, on iTunes or their favorite podcast app. And Let people know that there can be victory even through hard things. I think so many times, um, you know, we think, okay, our story is only good if, like Tara said, if, you know, she could have won the Olympics, but it's good. Her story is good because she has found hope in you and is sharing that hope in you, even though she never made it to the Olympics. So if you know someone that can use encouragement today, feel free to pass it on. And like always, I just appreciate you tuning in. Thanks for listening to Walk It Out. Head over to the show notes for this podcast and all past episodes at www.walkitoutpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with someone you know who can make a radical difference in the world. We love new friends. See you next time.